Hey, I've got some exciting news for you. For nearly a decade, the Social Media Marketing Society has been helping marketers like you to keep up with the changing times. This is our private community just for marketers, and the doors are open right now. When you join, you get access to ongoing training and become part of a welcoming community of marketers who are just like you. Learn more at smmarketingsociety.com. Again, smmarketingsociety.com. Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Podcast, helping you navigate the social media jungle. And now, here is your host, Michael Stelzner. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining me for the Social Media Marketing Podcast, brought to you by socialmediaexaminer.com. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner, and this is the podcast for marketers and business owners who want to know what works with social media. Today, I'm going to be joined by Marcus Sheridan. And I think you're going to love this episode. I took gabs and gabs of notes, sticky notes all over my desk because Marcus goes through five really awesome ideas that you can use today in your business. He specifically focuses on words and phrases that you can use to help market your business. And he tells us how most of us are doing it wrong. I think you're going to love it. By the way, if you want to reach me, you can directly get to me on Instagram at Stelsner, or you can email podcast at socialmediaexaminer.com. By the way, if you're new to this podcast, hit that subscribe button so you never miss a future episode. Now for this week's brand new discovery. Helping you stay alive in the social jungle. Here is this week's survival tip. This week, I'm joined by Eric Fisher with a brand new discovery. What'd you find, Eric? I found a really cool app that lets you record both the front-facing and the back-facing camera at the same time, stitched together on your iPhone. It's called Duet Cam. Tell me more. Yeah. So, And you may wonder, well, why would I want to do that? Well, some videos are cool and creative for that, but specifically, I'm thinking for stories to be able to show your face in the big frame or in a small picture-in-picture window or vice versa. It just gives you like that double bang for your buck when you're creating Instagram stories. Or that stories is totally in cool. So what that means is like you're at a big event like Social Media Marketing World and and you're in the audience and you're filming on a story, the crowd in front of you and the stage, they can see your cool reaction at the same time they can see what's happening in front of you. That's really cool. Yeah, totally. And so, I mean, that's the way it works. And you've got full, you know, ability to place that picture in picture, whatever you're recording with that picture in picture, you can place it in the top left, right, bottom left, bottom right. Is it Uh, uh, only before you hit record or after you hit record? Yeah, you'll want to set it all up before uh, you hit record. So you can select, you know, if you're using a newer iPhone and you've got all those fancy lenses on the back, you can pick which one prior to recording and you can place your picture in picture window prior to recording and then you hit record and you're good to go. Fascinating. How big can you make? I mean, does it give you a little control as far as how big the your face is versus what everyone else sees? Can you kind of make it bigger or smaller? Can you like literally split it if you wanted to? Uh, you can't resize it in that way, but if you've ever done FaceTime, then you know basically what you're looking at. Like it, basically if, if you're doing FaceTime with somebody, they're big on your screen you're, and you're small on ah, your screen. Skype does the same thing, right? Yes, exactly. So it's basically like that. You don't, you can't resize, you know, the small window at all, but 
it's enough. It's enough to, you know, I've tried it both ways now where I've said, you know, I want to see what's in front of me while recording my reaction. And then I want to record me on the big screen and then be able to point and say, now look down there and, you know, and, and there's kind of uses, use cases for both, especially again, when you're doing stories or, you know, using this as a blogging tool hmm. or a vlogging tool, I should say really cool setup, really cool app. Vertical, horizontal, doesn't really yes. matter. Okay. Yeah, it doesn't doesn't really matter. Just, you know, you you probably want to start it the right way or the the way you're going to use it and then stick in that mode just to avoid any headaches, but uh yeah, it can do both very easily. And you can determine which one's the the primary versus the secondary. Yes. Yes, it'll. It the, you know how usually you press the little. It almost looks like recycling. It's two arrows that are right. together as like a button. You push that and it'll swap them. Huh. And that's all you got to do. And then you can, again, there's another button there that like you, you press that and then it allows you to, as you press it, it moves the picture in picture window to the four quadrant positions. Fascinating. And I didn't even realize, I mean, I have an iPhone X. It's got two lenses on the other side. I, I didn't know that one lens did one thing and another lens does another thing. So presumably it lets you decide if you want to go wide angle or zoom or something like that. Is that yeah, what? it'll let you, yeah. It, it, depending upon what phone you've got and you know, all that, like it's going to tell you, you know, and again, this is going to require the latest update as right. far as the iOS and all that kind of go, you know, goes. So to is this just an Apple it, but, product? Uh, no, this is not an Apple product. It's actually uh third party. I meant, is it Android and or iOS? Oh, no, it, it is only Apple. Uh, and some so people far. just went, oh, man. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Sorry, everybody. So where do we get this thing? So it's a really easy URL to go to. Uh, it's called Duet Cam. So it's at duetcam.com. And what's the cost? It's $2.99. I think it's well worth it. $2.99, duetcam.com. Thank you for that new discovery, Eric. You're welcome. I was recently at Social Media Marketing World and I had a chance to connect with some of our best customers. A lot of them listen to our podcast, just like you do. Not everyone knows what I'm about to share with you. We do something special here at Social Media Examiner. The best of the best of the guests that you hear on the Social Media Marketing Podcast not only teach at our conference, but they're also part of our secret society called the Social Media Marketing Society. Each month, our top-tier guests who have been on my show are invited to train inside our society for an exclusive group of marketers who are just like you. The training is designed to help you go from being a passive consumer of content to a marketer who is in active learning mode. So if you're ready to make real progress with your marketing, you're a perfect fit for the social media marketing society. Join us by visiting smmarketingsociety.com. We've got a really big sale that is ending very soon, so don't delay. Again, visit smmarketingsociety.com and join today. And now for my interview with Marcus Sheridan. Helping you to simplify your social safari. Here is this week's expert guide. Today, I'm excited to be joined by Marcus Sheridan. If you don't know who he is, he's the author of They Ask You Answer, and he's a renowned keynote speaker. He also runs a digital sales and marketing agency called Impact, and he also does workshops on digital sales and marketing for corporations. Marcus, welcome back to the show. Yo, Stells. It's a good day to be with you, and I'm excited because we're going to be talking about different stuff today that's not the norm, but man, this is great. Glad to be back with your audience. I don't know which number this is, like four or five, but it's great. 
And for the record, Marcus and I are good friends. That's why he calls me Stells. Those of you that are listening, don't get any <laughs> crazy ideas. <laughs> so uh, today, Marcus and I are going to explore why words like Stells are so powerful in the marketing and sales process. Um, but before we go there, let's just back up for a second and talk about words. Why do they matter so much? Talk to us. Man, it's it's one of those things where so there's this there's this quote that I love by Nelson Mandela, and this is actually specific to really I think what anybody that's listening to this business market whatever you could appreciate this. So here's a quote: If you talk to a man in a language he understands, that goes to his head. If you talk to him in his language, that goes to his heart. And I think if there's anything in the world that can can bind us together or can even separate us, that can attract or push away, it's certainly our words. They're the heartbeat of businesses. They're certainly the heartbeat of the digital world. Even though it's digital world, what makes it click and go is the word still, Michael. It hasn't gone away. Even the copywriter in you is still as that skill set is more important today, I would argue, than it was when you were, you know, when you were writing about it many years ago. So, why is it so important in the business context? I understand the Nelson Mandela thing, but let's bring it home for business. Oh, the question is, but you might, Michael, but not everybody does because most people do not speak online in the language of the listener, and if you break down. What we're really talking about here is how do we induce trust, right? Mm -hmm. That's everything in business. It's funny. You talk to most marketers. You talk to most business owners. They like to think that their business is different. Everybody does this. I don't care what it is. Like everybody believes, yeah, my business is different. It's special. And that is true. But at its core, the reason why – People come to you know social media examiner every day, right? The reason why they go to uh, social media marketing world, the reason why they buy a pool from Marcus, the pool guy, the reason why they hire my agency, whatever the thing is, is because for some reason they trust us enough to say, "Here's my money," which is pretty crazy. That's what we do in business. Here's my money in return for a good, a product, or a service. And the only way we're going to get that is if we have the right actions and the right words. And the words really stinking matter. And I think oftentimes we don't give them enough attention. I love that. I'm with you. I think that speaking to people in a way that connects with them is speaking in their language. And it's not their language being Spanish or English, right? It's their language being the words and phrases that they use. And it's I the feelings, Michael, right? It's the feelings in the moment that they're having that allows them to say, huh, this company gets me. This person gets me. He or she understands me, right? I mean, how often do we produce words that induce that set of feelings? And to me, like, that's the ultimate litmus test. Right. Is what is was like emotional manifestation of them receiving this, we'll call it piece of content, right? That, that video, that article, that call to action, whatever that thing was. So if I was standing along the river with you while you were fishing and I said, hey, hand me that fiberglass thing with the string on it, 
you would immediately know, I don't know the first thing about fishing, right? <laughs> right? What would I what would I have to say in order for you to know that I understood your craft? Yeah, well, you know, for for me, I mean, it's 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 just something well, for everybody that doesn't know. I am really big into into fishing, right? But it's one of those things where yeah, you're going to have to use the right words that tell me, "Hey, this guy gets me in my in the context of just being a, a fishing guy, you just might say, "Yo, give me the rod." <laughs> right? Yeah, give me the rod or what ca- what uh, what's that filament uh kind you're using, right? Or <laughs> Yeah. Or yeah, like yeah. what's your favorite you know, do you prefer to keep them hanging over the side of the boat or do you put them in ice? Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's, but that's, you're speaking my language, right? So there's that immediate commonality that we have. You know, it's funny to me because I, I, I speak right and yes. all over the world and it's, it's fascinating because even the way we say a word will cause somebody will literally cause someone to, to come up to you at the end of the talk and they will say, you use this one word, right? Mm-hmm. Or you said this thing this specific way. So I use the words y'all and dang quite a bit just because I'm a Virginia guy and I have more of a Southern draw. And one of the things that I oftentimes hear from people is you know, little things like, as soon as I heard you say y'all, I just felt like I was at home with you in the audience. And it's not... Yeah, it's, it's like it's just such a little simple thing. Now, somebody else might say, you know, well, he's a dumb Southern boy, right? <laughs> Who knows? But there is a group of people that is immediately going to hear that and say, uh, I, I start to, they start to have an impression about the person they see in front of them or in the context of, you know, businesses, the person they see or the business they see in that video or behind the screen, behind the page. Right. So talk to me about, in your opinion, how most marketers, salespeople are not using words appropriate or marketing. All right. So, so I, I think we have to embrace a couple truths here. If a company is on the right track with this, first thing is, especially with their marketing team, see, most marketing teams don't have some like unified vision in terms of what leads them to say things the way that they say them or write them the way that they write them or produce them the way they produce them. In other words, if a marketing department says this, look, our obsession is trust. And how can we obsess over trust so much that whatever we do, whatever we say, we're thinking first about, is this going to lead the listener to trust us more or trust us less? And the reason why I say that, because when you have that, that simple denominator, Michael, when you just come around and say, okay, we're going to allow trust to be our almost strategic or our moral compass or whatever you want to call it, that makes the words that you say so much easier because here's what's fascinating about it. When you look at marketing today and you look at businesses today, how often, if you're in a boardroom, for example, do you have a conversation about the way that you said that thing, the actual messaging? It's very, very rare. You actually don't hear this very much at all. It's a big issue. Let me give you another crazy simple example of this, just the way that we use words, right? And this is obvious to anybody that's listening, but it's not obvious to the world. I do a lot of sales training. And we all, anybody that's listening to this knows that pretty much the number one factor that dictates whether or not somebody opens up an email is a subject line, right? Now, salespeople send hundreds of emails, oftentimes a month. 
Now, the average open rate for a professional salesperson's email, one-to-one emails, a salesperson emails you, the average open rate is 18%, 18%. So 18 out of 100 emails that they send to one in, single individual at a time gets opened up. Now, it's pretty atrocious. But if you think about it, what's crazy is the number one subject line for most <laughs> salespeople when they're following up with a prospect is following up. That is the number one. And that is the most obvious and the least emotion-inducing subject line you'll ever see. And I have polled – and here's my point to this. I have polled, I don't know, probably about 20,000 salespeople. I've asked this question over and over again. How many of you have received training on how to write the perfect subject line, considering you send some of you 1,000 emails a month, and I've never had a single person raise their hand? Never. Now, most marketers, if you ask them, have you – study psychology. Most have not. We are, as you very well know, Michael, we are in the business of psychology. What makes somebody immediately feel trust, immediately feel like, huh, this company is different versus immediately feel like, I don't like this person. In case in point, right? Everybody here that's listening to this right now, you have watched a video before online. Before you even clicked the video, you saw a thumbnail, right? Mm-hmm. Now, in that thumbnail, you either said, I like that person or I don't. I want to watch this video or I don't. Well, what is the reason, though, that makes somebody click the thing? And if you ask – I'm not saying everybody, but if you ask the majority of marketers, what makes you click it versus what makes you say, I don't like that person, a high percentage don't know. It's because it's not a conversation that we're having nearly enough of. Okay. I'm not sure I'd track that last part. So the reason they're not clicking is because of what exactly? Okay, so there's a whole separate reason why they're not actually clicking. So the reason why the psychology, again, the trust component here, as to why you don't click that video, because you've you've not clicked a video before and you've said to yourself, I I don't like that person, right? There's something about the way that they look that turns you off. There's something about the title that turns you off. And more often than not, what it is, the message that you're getting, the psychology is, well, this person, if ever produced it, they think they're smarter than me. <laughs> That's the number one factor. They think they're smarter than me. They think, they think they have something on me here. And so if we understand the basics of this, we, we change the way that we talk. There's so many ways that this manifests itself online, right? So let me give you one example of this, right? The majority of all companies don't talk about who they're not a good fit for. So if I polled, let's say, 100 companies and we said – to them. Okay, how many of you very openly say on your website who you're not a good fit for? You talk about it. One out of 100 will do that. One out of 100. All right, let me ask what, this question. Yeah. What if they say who we are a good fit for? Doesn't that imply who we're not a good fit no, for? No, it doesn't, Michael. It's not the same thing. It's talk not to, the same Yeah, thing. tell me why. Yeah, because the moment you're willing to specifically say what you're not, that's the moment you become dramatically more attractive to those who you are a good fit for. And most will never do this. Most will never do this. Let me give you a really simple example. So I'm in Hawaii as we're recording this right now on a family trip. And we, my son and I, we plan to go fishing this week. And so I was looking at charter boats. Now, the different charter boats I was looking at, I'm, I'm in this process, in my mind, I'm saying, okay, who do I trust the most? 
to deliver a great experience? And which one is going to fit me the best? Now, the majority of them are saying why they're awesome and how everybody loves them, right? That's what everybody's saying. But there's one that I found that says it a little bit differently. And this is what's so fascinating. Let me tell you exactly what they said, and because I wrote this down. They said, this fishing trip is for the serious angler that wants to catch fish and not for a first-timer. For all your serious fishermen that would love to try something a little different on your trip to Maui, this could be the fishing trip for you. This is pretty cool. There's a couple things about this that make me say, I really like this company. So I get a chance to say, good, I'm not a first-timer. And they said, this is not for a first-timer. Now, you see, most charter captains or trips or businesses wouldn't say that because in their mind, they're going to say to themselves, I'm afraid that we're going to eliminate all those, all that potential business we could have gotten for first-timers. We don't want to eliminate that from our potential sales. This company is saying, okay, let's just be straight out. Let's go right at who we are and who we're not. And they say in the first sentence, we're for the serious angler. We're not for the first timer. And then they end it with this great little word that almost means nothing to most people, but it's such a big deal. They end it with this could be the fishing trip for you. So what does everybody say? This is the only trip for you. This is, we are the charter for you. No, 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 no. This could be the fishing trip for you. And that says, they're not telling me that they're smarter than me. They're not telling me what to do. They're allowing me as the buyer who's sitting here thinking right now, can I trust this company or not, right? They're allowing me to make a decision by myself. That's empowerment. That's powerful. Not enough marketers are thinking like that. All right. I want to dig in on this a little bit. I like how they said who they were for and who they were not for, like in the same breath. Is that wisdom or do you suggest that we should, because a lot of people are grappling with, you know, how do we, how do we inject this? Is that the right way to do it? Or would you actually prefer to just flat out say, we're not for this, we're not for this, we're not for this? Because obviously social media marketing world is not for people that don't want to learn about marketing, but that's kind of intuitive in my brain, but maybe it isn't for others. I don't know. You see, what you just said there, and I'm glad you said this, yeah. right? Because I get to pick on you because we're all friends and, yep. and everybody knows I love you. That is a classic example of, and I know you know this phrase, but not everybody pays attention to it, which is called the curse of knowledge. So the curse of knowledge is generally the act of communicating in a way where we, or thinking in a way, where we assume that everybody understands how we are saying it simply because we're so used to saying it that way and we've been doing it so long and we've been so embedded in the thing, immersed in the thing, whatever the thing is, that we just assume that everybody understands it. So it's no different than if you talk to somebody that's in the military, right? And you ask them, how was their day? There's a very good chance that they're not going to describe it in a way that makes sense to you. The medical field, how was your day? Same thing. My mom's in the medical field. My brother's in the military. I've tried to have conversations with both of them. They don't overcome the curse of knowledge very well because they're using words. They're using phrases. They're saying it the way that they say it within that industry. You see, there's a whole group of people Take social media marketing world as an example. Now, there's a lot of good. It's funny that you mentioned this because there's so many, there's so much good about what you do, and hopefully we get, we'll get a chance to talk about it because you do clearly understand with your messaging how it's all about me. You get that, right? 
So, for example. It's all about the attendee, you mean? Yes. The all customer. about me, the attendee. Yeah. That's right. That's right. So, for example, you say, discover the best social media marketing strategies from the world's top experts, right? Right. You're not saying, you know, right away, you know, come to the best conference in the world. You're talking to me about inducing an action that I have. In this case, discover. I can discover this wonderful thing, right? That's about me. Now, you give all these wonderful reasons as to why this potentially would be worth it, right? Why this event would be worth it. But there's another group of people that is still unsure. And this is where you take them over the edge. Because, you know, what's fascinating about it is most, we'll call it conferences, or most businesses, it doesn't matter what the thing is, most will say similar things and make similar justifications as to why they are superior or why they're better. And so when everybody starts to say that thing over and over again, it becomes normal language. And whenever there's normal language, now all of a sudden, because it starts to become redundant, it doesn't get noticed. And there's all these different ways that this manifests itself in every single industry. The majority of companies, if you look at the way they communicate, the way that they message, the words that they use, they use normal messaging for their space because it's safe. Now, I'm not saying you're safe. You're way better. I mean, you're, you're a nine out of 10 compared to most. But even if you look at social media marketing world, you don't necessarily say who you're not a good fit for. Now, here's what's funny about it, Michael. And I love doing this, especially with CEOs. A little bit easier with marketers. CEOs, gets crazy. So sometimes I was just, uh, just, just last week, I was speaking at a conference of these uh, yacht manufacturers, okay? A bunch of different yacht manufacturers. <laughs> High-end, love their stinking yachts and boats, all right? And I made each one of them, each one of them, write down on a sheet of paper who their product, in this case, their yachts, who they were not a good fit for. Now, you get two main reactions from this. The majority of them have never done this in their life. So they literally can't even think that way. They're, they're in line of curse of knowledge. <laughs> they just can't do it, Mike. It's, they're like, they're so dumbfounded by the idea that their product or service, which is called product or service, because I want everybody to hear this as, yes, this applies to me, wouldn't potentially be the best fit for somebody. And so that's the first thing. The second thing that they tend to do, when they can't write it, if they do write it, they tend to be almost snarky about it or sarcastic about it. You know, like, well, if you don't love um, a great time on the water, this yacht might not be a good fit for you. No, that's not the way you say it, because that's not what I'm thinking. I'm literally thinking in my head as the buyer. Okay, let's say I'm a first-time yacht buyer. All right, how am I really supposed to know whether or not this is the right yacht for me? Let me give you another example in the context of a service business like my agency, right? So one of the things that we literally just um, have published recently is a chart that shows the old agency versus the new agency model, okay? And so what do I mean by that? Well, so traditionally what agencies do is they produce content for you. I'll give you an example, right? And so... We can come out and we will say something to the effect of, if you're looking for a company to produce your content for you, in other words, you don't want to have a hand in it yourself, well, then we're probably not the best fit for you, All right? So that's the first part. 
Now, this leans into other components of this because it makes the person like literally almost flinch. Like, whoa. They flinch and they lean into it. Like, what was that? They just said, I might not be a good fit for them. And it doesn't matter what you sell, you can do this. Now, but you got to follow it up. Who are you a good fit for, right? So in this case, we'll say, but if you're looking to really own your digital in-house and you want to be able to produce your own content as an organization, well, then we might be a great fit for you. Now, we list that there's probably nine components to a traditional agency and then nine components to or what is a, a newer or more modern agency, as we call it, right? Each time somebody reads that, they're either looking at it saying, yes, that's me. They're nodding or they're saying, nope, that's not me. So let me ask, so, this, let me ask yeah. this question so, so we can dig in on this. So what we should do is we should ask ourselves who is our ideal client and who is not our ideal client. And in your case, you know that you don't want to work with someone who whatever you just said there, right? And everybody should say like, you know, who is going to not have a good experience with a company like us? And then you should say that, right? So in my case, I would say, if you're someone who isn't interested in changing your marketing strategy, you probably shouldn't consider coming to social media marketing world. But if you are aware that something needs to be changed with your strategy, then we might be able to help. Is that kind of what you're talking about? Well, so that's one way that you could do it. But let's look at an example. Your conference isn't all things to all people. Of course not. So, so, so for example, one of the things that I don't think you talk about a lot, correct me if I'm wrong, is you don't spend a lot of time talking about SEO. Is that accurate? We do not at all. Right? So you want to look for ways to show the other side of the coin just to show that you aren't biased. You see, most viewers, visitors, buyers expect the one that's selling the thing to be biased. They're just literally looking for examples of reasons as to why will I not trust this person. And so if you show, if you come right out and you're willing to talk about, in this case, who you're not a good fit for, it makes them say, huh, unbiased. So if you came out and said, for example, here's all the reasons why social media marketing world might be a great fit for you, but here's some reasons why it might not be a great fit for you. For example, if you are an SEO, and you're looking for all the latest and greatest on SEO practices, well, then that's not a major focus of this conference, and therefore it might not be a good fit for you. Now, here's what's funny about that. What's going to happen is when a, let's say, a social media marketer reads that, they immediately say, well, good. I wasn't interested in learning that anyway. And so all they're doing is reaffirming in their mind, this is exactly what I was looking for. Perfect. But, but right. you got to be careful because you don't want to be snarky about it. Again, companies tend to be snarky. Let me give you an example of snarky in your case, right? In your case, it might be if you're not interested in hearing the best speakers on social media marketing, well, then this probably isn't the best event for you. <laughs> See, totally yeah. dumb, right? Right, right? Makes you sound like a jerk. Right. But I've literally seen companies say, well, we'll say it this way. I'm like, no, 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 because now you're going to lose me. Now we're sounding very, very snarky in the process. Got it. All right. So the first thing of how to employ words in a way that can be persuasive is to say who you're not for. Let's talk yeah. about, I know you've got more, so let's go to the next one. Yeah, yeah. So let's go to this bias component, right? So speaking of biases, you have to ask yourself, what are the things that we say 
especially as marketers, just in all of our messaging that immediately make us sound biased. And so one of the number one things that we do is we force feed how we feel about our stuff, right? So we say headlines like this, and let's just pretend X is whatever you, whatever you sell. Why X is the best choice for you. So it's really classic that you have, let's say on somebody's homepage, right? There's all these, there's different headlines that we have, right? And one of the most common headlines that you will see on a homepage at some point is we're saying why we're special, why we're so different, why X is the best choice for you. Now you can paraphrase that however you want, but that's not the way that people are necessarily thinking it, or at least that's not what they're asking themselves in the moment. So instead of saying why X, your product or service is the best choice, instead turn it on its head. And this is where we go against the norms of the way things are said in the world of website design, in the world of just general messaging. Instead, what you might want to say, and I would recommend that you say is, is our product really any different? Question mark. See the differences here. So we're actually saying a question that they might be having in their mind. Is that what I'm hearing you say? It's an exact question. And it's the question denotes the doubt that they have, Michael. Right. Because the reason why I'm so obsessed with that phrase, they ask you answer. And a lot of people think it's like, okay, so all they ask you answer is, it's asking a question. If somebody asks you a question, you answer it on your website. Well, (laughs) yes and no. It goes way more than that. It's anything that they're thinking, searching, saying, feeling, fearing. And the fearing part is what's so powerful. If we lean into the fearing part and we're willing to address those, the way that they say it, right? So, for example, another example of this, not all of your audience, but many people know that I own a swimming pool company as well, right? And so I want to say things very openly like, do fiberglass pools look cheap? Let's look and see. Now, somebody that has maybe asked around about fiberglass pools and they talked to a concrete pool company has probably been told, you know, fiberglass pools look cheap. So this is the fear that they have going into the conversation, in this case, with my website. They're researching my website. They have this fear. And so am I going to come right out and say it? Or am I going to address the fear as they are thinking it? And that's exactly the way I need to approach this matter. And there's all these different applications. I got an idea. Can I just throw off one I've written down right here? Okay. Is this event really worth it? That's the headline. Let's see what your peers say, right? Right on the page where it says how much it costs. What do you think about that? You like that? I'm really, really digging it because that's not telling me, hey, our event is so stinking worth it. It's different. You're saying, now, I understand your, well, you've just told me in that perfect little headline, Michael, is you've said, I understand your fears, Marcus. Let's look and see together. Yeah. Now you decide. Exactly. That's what you just told me. But the question is, how many companies really talk like that? Uh, not so many. And I like it a lot because that's how we would talk. Like, like if somebody was asking one of your customers before they wanted to become your customer, that's exactly what they would ask you. So what I'm hearing yes. you say is say the questions in the words that you know someone would ask rather than making the declarative statement. Because the alternative would be, our customers love us. 
read below or something like that, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes. And that's what everybody does. Again, if we have got to the point because what happens is we look at each other's websites and we see the way that we say it or the way that we show it and we think that's the best way. That is the norm. But remember, if it's the norm, it means people will naturally skip over it and they won't pay attention. This is that and, – and, and let I think that really brings us to the next one that you have to yeah, think about. Is, is you, so you've you got to talk about who you're not a good fit for. You've got to lean into showing that you're unbiased. And you've got to lean into literally making the person flinch. So how much of your copy right now, how much of your messaging right now on your website would make somebody almost do a double take and lean in? You, you, you've had that happen before, Michael. You're like, if something surprises you so much as you're reading it or watching, you're like, holy crud. And like, you open up and lean right in. Your whole body leans in. I think right? when I went to mancrates.com, I think, I, I don't know if you've ever been to that website, but they sell like stuff for guys. <laughs> yeah. And, and yeah. when I read it, I was like, wow, there's something crazy different about the way they're talking. Is that and what yes. we're talking about? Yes. Yes. Perfect example, right? And so I'll use the, the, the basic example here of the swimming pool because it's so simple. But again, put your product or service as you're listening to this in here. And as I'm saying this, ask yourself, how many times online has someone spoken to me this way? Because this is the key. How many times online has someone spoken to me this way? So it might sound something like this. Pretend this is an article or video, right? So I might say, you know, one of the questions that we get here all the time at Riverpools is, okay, Marcus, be honest. Tell me, why should I choose fiberglass over concrete? Now, here comes the flinch, Michael. Okay. Well, the truth is you shouldn't always choose fiberglass over concrete. That's flinch number one. Here comes flinch number two. In fact, there are times when concrete, yep, it is the better option. So what this article or what this video is going to do, it's going to explain to you honestly and transparently the pros and the cons of both types of swimming pools. And then hopefully by the end, you'll be able to decide which is the best choice for you. Now, I'm going to go back to my initial question. Realistically, as you've been online with, you know, with the best of them, Michael, how many brands, how many businesses, how many companies talk like that when you read about their products or services online? Not very many. I mean, and, and I'm wondering, does this, I mean, obviously this is very, very valuable when you're in a competitive industry, right? But how can you- But here's the thing though, Michael, yeah. everybody would say they're in a competitive industry. So, everybody would say that. So is, okay. So when I'm hearing you say with this flinch and lean in thing, is you're saying essentially it kind of goes back to here's what's not great about it or here's the here's the cons to it. I mean, that's really what I'm hearing you say, right? Say, yeah, it, the flinch comes in. What would they least expect to hear in that moment, even though they already know it's true? I, I, do, the- I do this when I'm in when I'm at conferences and people come up to me and say, should I attend social media marketing world? I kind of I kind of do this. I just say, well. I tell them face to face, it's not for everybody. And I also say, and I say, it might not be right for you. Like I was at a YouTube conference and I said, if, you know, if you're a creator, I wouldn't consider going to social media marketing world unless you've already got a business. And because if you don't, you're probably not going to benefit from it. Beautiful. That makes everybody that is on the other side of what you said say, see, I knew social media marketing world was the one for me. Because he's willing to call a spade a spade. Right. 
Now, what's funny is you're smart enough to do that in person because you've recognized that is the most honest way. It's the most truthful way. It's just, like I said, it's the truth. But I haven't thought about doing it in my marketing. I don't know. It's a good question. (laughs) But if you look across the board, so many companies are the exact same way. So again, it goes goes back to how many times do you have something – how many places on your website is there something that would make someone almost – Nod their head or tilt it to the side or, or, or do that flinch or do that blink and say, oh, wow, I can't believe they just said that. I can't believe they're honest enough with me to do that thing. I love okay. it. Okay. Let's talk about one more. Yep. There's actually a, a few more minors, but you know, uh, there's another one I like to call the nod and click phenomenon. And what I mean by the nod and click phenomenon, this is a great – another litmus test. How many statements – are there on your site, especially your home page, that would lead someone to physically nod as they were reading it? Hmm. Right? And so let me give you a, a really simple example of this. Now, I mentioned your headline earlier, which is discover the best social media marketing strategies from the world's top experts. Now, instead of a forward nod, that's kind of like a side nod, like, huh, like, mm, okay. So you've got my curiosity, but let me give you the difference, all right? And let me just give you a site that does a lot of things right, and uh, it's Wix.com. Their headline for their homepage right now is, create a website you're proud of. Create a website you're proud of. Now, here's what they know. Most people are really frustrated with their websites, and most people know this is their market. Their market is small businesses, right? That don't want to hire somebody to build out a you know ten twenty thousand dollar website, whatever it is, and they want to create the website for themselves, but they don't want something they're embarrassed about. They don't want something that looks like it was created by somebody that doesn't know how to build websites. So they immediately have this: create a website you're proud of. Like, yeah, that's me. Yeah, I want to do that. I can nod my head like, yeah, I want to create a website I'm proud of. Now you go to the Riverpool site. My swimming pool site. Okay. Again, it's a nod and click because it's as simple as saying, in our case, in our context, the headline is considering an in ground pool. That's it. That is the headline. It says nothing about us, certainly in the headline. And, and I know you know this, Michael, but here's what's crazy. If you ask anybody, when you go to a website, are you more concerned about you, your problems, your concerns, your issues, or are you more concerned about the company you're visiting? Everybody's going to say, well, I care about myself, my problems, my issues, my needs, my questions, right? Right. Yet notwithstanding, the very high majority, and this is definitively over 90%, definitively over 90%, if you just look at the headline of the homepage of their website, it's a brag. It is about the company. It's not about you. Right. And in this context, the test for this is, can the person nod? Or even shake their head and say, no, that's not me, which is fine. That's a win still. Because either way, they realize it was about them in this context. Somebody could say, no, I'm not looking for an in-ground pool. I'm looking for an above-ground pool. I'm out of here. Have I lost anything? No, I don't feel bad because they're not my market. That's beautiful communication. So what I'm hearing you say is this nod and click phenomenon means we should use headlines that allow the reader to see themselves somehow as benefiting. Is that what I'm hearing you say? Or, or answering a question in the case yeah, of the pools. Yeah, they can say, right? that's me, Yep. or that's not me. Right. But we want that. 
We want that. It's the same reason why. It's the same reason why. Here's here's another uh, test that you can do with your site right now. Okay, and this is especially easy to do on your homepage. Count the ratio of we's versus the ratio of you's on the website. You or yours. We or our. Right. Now, if you look at most homepages, you'll see that it's an 80% ratio of we. So eight out of 10, if you have 10 statements using we versus your, the majority eight are going to be we based, 20% are going to be your based or you based. It needs to be the other way around. 80% of the language that you use on your homepage and throughout your site, especially in any headlines, it should always be you or your based. Or you can even switch it even further or flip it even further and, and make it first person based. But that way it's personalized and the person themselves, once again, going back to this nodding component, they can have a physical manifestation of the experience that they're having. Like, yep, that's me. I'm going to continue to stay here. I'm going to continue to read. I want to go to this last tip because I think it's going to be really valuable to people. So why don't you yeah, go, ahead and, go ahead and share this, this one. one. So sometimes stating the most bloody obvious is the most powerful. So let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. When somebody fills out a form online and they're asked to give their information, there's a specific set of fears that they have. We all know this because we all have the same basic fears of filling out a form online. Here's the four fears. Number one, what are you going to do with my information, the privacy of my information? Number two, are you going to spam me to death? Number three, are you going to email me to death? And number four, so if I fill out this form, exactly what is going to happen? Now, we know that everybody has this form. Yet if you look at the very high majority of landing pages, like 99.9%, how many address those fears right there on the landing page? Most don't. Yeah, almost maybe, nobody maybe, does. Maybe they'll so, say we won't spam you or whatever, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe something really, really light. And so here's what we have found. You can put a simple video next to the form. Now, the key, though, is this video is going to address those fears, but there's two parts. You must have a title to the video that has the perfect words. What are the perfect words? Because, again, people screw up the words. So it has to have a very clear title, and that title should be uh, – I'm going to test you, Michael. I'm going to put you on the spot. What do you think that title should be? Now, focus on what the person is thinking and fearing in that moment. I think it should be why you – and trust okay. us. <laughs> okay. Okay. Am that's I not close? Bad. Am I close? Why, okay. That's not bad. That's yeah. not bad. Why you can trust us. Yeah. Okay. Now, the thing about it is, the thing about it is, what you want to say to yourself is, what immediately makes the person say, huh? Right? It's that flinch component. Right. And so, the best title we've seen for that video is, see exactly what will happen if you fill out this for. So you're putting that title in your thumbnail, right? So that they yeah. can see that Somewhere. title. Yeah. You can, it doesn't even have to be. Or, yeah, or it could be words it with the it, colon, watch the video or yes. whatever, right? Yes. But that's, you say, why that title? Because that's exactly what I'm thinking. Huh. I'm, what I'm saying to myself in that moment is, so what's going to happen if I fill out this form, right? Now I'm telling you, see exactly what will happen if you fill out this form. So what do you show Notice, them, what do you show them in the video? It's good or bad. What, what do you show them in the video? Yeah. Now, once you do the video, you have this beautiful opportunity to be as relaxed as possible. And so you want to come right out and bonk them over the head again with the fears that they're having. 
they ask you answer. And so all you have to do is something like this. I'm just going to give the intro to it, right? It, it might sound like this. Pretend it's a video. So you're sitting there right now, and you're saying to yourself, should I fill out this form? Are these guys going to like spam me to death? Is somebody going to call me like 10 times in the next day? Relax, relax, relax. Let's talk about exactly what's going to happen if you fill out this form. And then and you, you, just, and you just explain it in words, right? You just explain it in words. And here's what's crazy, Michael. We have tested this so many times. Like I said, I got an agency, and the stuff that I'm talking about, we test all the time. <laughs> it's so fun because we can test it. Uh, on average, you get an 80% lift. 80% lift. Wow. So can you imagine if you got an 80% lift on your contact us page, on that get a quote page, whatever that page is for you, all because now people are saying, okay, I see that filling out this form isn't like everybody else. What is the norm? The norm is put the form up and hope they fill it out. Right. What makes you stand out? Saying, see exactly what will happen if you fill out this form. Do you put the video um, at the end of the form or at the top of the form? So you just want to make sure that it's clearly visible. And so depending on how you design it out, oftentimes I'll put it, I've put it in different places mm -hmm. and it tests out differently. We've put it to the side and we put it at the top. I generally don't put it at the bottom. Got it. Because they may not see it to scroll down, yes, right? that's correct. Because usually that denotes they're going to have to scroll past the fold. Right. Marcus, this was amazing. You've got a brand new edition of the book, They Ask, You Answer. Uh, where can they find that book other than the obvious Amazon? And where can they find you if they want to connect with you? Yeah, yeah. Well, They Ask, You Answer, it is, uh, I mean this, it has become a movement. It's so exciting. I launched it three years ago and published it without much fanfare, and it's it's just taken off. And uh, so you can find it at pretty much any of your typical online, Amazons.com, BarnesandNoble.com. The audible version, which originally wasn't my voice, the new version is my voice. And so uh, it's got 30,000 new words. How many of them are y'all? That <laughs> was hard not to put that in there, trust me. But I, <laughs> I ad-libbed a few times. I'm okay. sure made the publisher a little bit crazy in the recording. But you can, you can make sure you look for the revised an updated edition. Don't buy the old one. Get the new one. It's got 30,000 plus new words in it. But if you want to contact me directly, this is my personal website. You can contact me directly at Marcus at MarcusSheridan.com with any questions. Marcus at MarcusSheridan.com. And here's just one challenge to your listeners. Okay. I'm going to do something. It's probably stupid because it's not very scalable. But you know how Gary Vee always says, scale the unscalable. If anybody emails me, you can say, Marcus, here's my URL. How do you feel about my messaging? On the homepage, and I'll just quickly glance at your homepage, and I'll tell you if you're on track or off track based on the conversation that we've had today. Okay, wow. Marcus, MarcusSheridan.com. I don't think Marcus knows <laughs> how many emails he's going to get, but man, that is very generous of you, bro. Hey, listen, on behalf of everyone who's listening, I just want to say thank you, Marcus, for coming on, uh, sacrificing a little bit of your time in Maui to join us uh, for this week's episode. We're all smarter as a result of it. And I've got sticky notes all over my desk because of this. Thank you, Marcus. My pleasure, brother. And by the way, if there's anything we mentioned in today's podcast episode and you didn't catch it all, we took all the notes for you. You can find them at socialmediaexaminer.com slash 381. And by the way, if you're new, hit that subscribe button. This brings us to the end of another episode of the Social Media Marketing Podcast. I'm your host with a sore throat a little bit, Michael Stelzner. I'll be back with you next week. I hope you make the absolute best out of your day. And may social media continue to change your world. 
The Social Media Marketing Podcast is a production of Social Media Examiner. Hey, just a quick reminder, join the Social Media Marketing Society today and level up your marketing for your company or your clients. Visit smmarketingsociety.com to find out more.